last night's It's Seen Scratchy was, without a doubt, the worst episode ever. Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. Hey, I know it wasn't great, but what right do you have to complain? As a loyal viewer, I feel they owe me. What? They've given you thousands of hours of entertainment for free. What could they possibly owe you? I mean, if anything, you owe them. Worst episode ever. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, the podcast where we always recycle to the extreme. Today we're heading back to revisit another classic from Season 8. It's Episode 4, F12, The Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. I am Dando, no guy today. He unfortunately died on the way back to his home planet, but luckily I've been joined by a man who has been blessing us with his Simpsons thoughts for over a decade now on his YouTube channel. He is The Real Jims. How are you doing, my good sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you for working out with my schedule. I feel bad that a guy got the head cold. He must have caught the one that I had like a week or two ago. Yeah, how is that cold holding up now? You sound much better, which is good. Oh, yeah, I'm great now. Thanks for working with me with the schedule. I know we had to wait a couple weeks because of my vacation and then getting sick and then your complications. So, yeah, I'm I'm doing much better now. Like when you do a YouTube channel, I'm sure you know from podcasting that when your voice just stops working, like it's just like, how do I do anything at this point? Yeah. Like, like, do you just record something and just everyone listens to your nasal, like, you know, and they're like, ugh. So it's pretty rough. I, well, I've done a podcast once with a, a voice that was like breaking. And then I just I was editing it and I went, no one wants to listen to this. This sounds horrific. I'm just going to cancel the show this week and we'll just have to wait. But I'm sure your fans wouldn't have cared because, man, your following's just exploded in recent years. Like, you must be so proud of yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I do pretty well. I, like, I don't know. Like, the, the whole YouTube grind is like, you know, you see your subscriber count, and you're like, well, you can always do better. Like, these other channels have, like, 300,000, 500,000. But, you know, like, like the fact that, like, 130,000 people would subscribe to my channel is just ridiculous to me. Like, that's a ridiculous number in my head. So it's just, like, like I'm so, like, grateful and humble that, like, people would even bother to listen to my Simpsons rambling. It's just crazy to me. Well, I've been listening to you uh, to you for over a decade now. I remember discovering the 60-second reviews going, well, this isn't going to take up too much of my time. I thought it was quite a genius little thing that you had going there because it, it even works better now because I'm thinking YouTube shorts are now a thing. Have you turned all those into YouTube shorts yet, those 60-second reviews? You know, I totally should. Like, people have been saying, they're like, you should totally make shorts now. Like, I was kind of like... I was like ahead of the curve with the 60 second Simpsons and then YouTube decided it's like, no, you want to make long videos like that's how you get views like to make like three hour long epics, you know? Yeah. So then yeah. like I started making longer videos and yeah, now we live in the world of TikTok where everybody just wants everything summarized in like a minute or two. So yeah, I should totally make one of those vertical image like videos and do it as a short. Um, so I mean, I've been, I've been thinking about that, but the other thing is I have heard some pushback from people who like YouTube and are subscribed for YouTube. And some people just actively hate the TikTok, the TikTok or the short format. So I was like, do I make one and alienate people or would that, is that something people would want? So yeah, I'm not, not sure on that one. Make a TikTok channel just for your TikTok lovers and then keep your YouTube channel the way it's going. Oh yeah. I got to get all those Gen Z watchers. That's, that's the key <laughs> here. So I'm going to get like. 3 million views and make like $5. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. TikTok's weird like that, isn't it? You get so many views, but you make nothing. You make fuck all. 
Yeah, I've heard it's really good for like promoting like the main channel from what I've yeah. heard from other people. So maybe like I can figure out a way to like make little videos that I used to make and then maybe people would watch the big videos. I don't know. Um, I really got to start thinking about that more because the actual business side of YouTube is something I ignore completely. Like <laughs> I'm terrible at business. I just like I just want to make these little Simpsons videos and like if they do well, they do well. So yeah, I really should put some thought into that because the business side is just like a giant mess right now. Is it so is it like an income stream for you at the moment or do they or do they try and get you with a copyright because you're using the Simpsons images? Because it's not clips, it's just images. So surely that's fine, right? Uh yeah, so it is an income stream. I do put ads on it. I like tried for so long to not put ads like i think maybe like the first six years of the 10 years doing it was like no ads at all because i was like weirdly i was being like kind of a punk rock like hippie kind of person about it but then yeah. everyone was like put ads on it we don't care you should be making something for all the work you're doing uh so yeah it is an extra income screen extra income stream um like in terms of the copyright, I do manage to get away with it just because I'm not using clips. So like the bots can't really get me. Uh, sometimes I do get manual claims. There's like one video that has gotten claimed at least twice now, which is like the most ridiculous thing ever because like, what is there to claim? Like if my video goes down that has just screenshots, then like everything is copyright infringing. Yeah. So whole thing is really weird but yeah i managed to avoid it mostly but i i always put up like most petty petty like arguments and whining on my part when it does happen to me because i was like what the hell is that when that happens do you find the editing side of things the most painstakingly part of the process that's what i find i love doing the podcast but the editing is just like ugh. oh yeah the editing is just brutal like the like the writing part is like, that goes fine. I just sit around and I think, you know, but then when the editing comes along, like I've actually kind of switched to, instead of doing these like little editing streams of like two hours a night, two hours a night, lately I've just been doing like, like a whole Saturday, I'll just sit down and just like edit for like 10 to 12 hours. And that's just like the day, you know? Yeah. But it's just absolutely brutal because, you know, like when you watch a video that's like 15 minutes long or in your pace, like, a podcast where you listen to it for an hour and you're like, Oh, that's nice. But then you like, you don't think about how like you are sitting there editing the audio for so long, like listening to this conversation back, or in my case, this video, like dealing with what you've written and all these images and like, it goes for so long and you're just so sick of it after a while. <laughs> like you just want it, want it done. But then when people listen to it, it just kind of comes and goes and you don't even think about it. It's really weird. But congratulations on, on the channel. It's just like, it seems in recent years, you've really taken off. I think people do enjoy your deep dives, like the Simpsons mysteries and the, the showdowns and things like that. Yeah, it's been really fun, like kind of just figuring out what I like to research with it. Like the whole thing was just kind of a passion project because I just, I like the Simpsons and I want to talk about it. And there just aren't as many places to go to have these kind of arguments about which episodes better or like these deep dives on characters or seeing just what's going on with these characters so it's been kind of fun just kind of bouncing around from topic to topic and just kind of seeing what i am most interested in researching and like lately i've been like discovering that i just really enjoy these character like deep dives doing these simpsons histories videos and just being like oh like snake jailbird what have they done with the character over the years? Like how consistent have they been with him? Like what, like what kind of things can they do with this archetype over 30 plus years of the show? Because like, that's the weirdest thing about the Simpsons. Like it's been on for 30 years and like every character is going to become this weird pile of 
just like random stories and, and tidbits. So like just looking at characterization and like what makes the character, the character has been like the most fun for me. I've found, I've really enjoyed the character stuff from doing these. What's your thoughts on continuity in the Simpsons? Cause he talked to people like Matt Salmon. He's just like continuity. <laughs> we don't care about continuity here at the Simpsons. Like do, do you get annoyed when they, when you see character shifts that don't really make sense? To people who grew up in the 90s watching the original heroes? See, now with characterization, I tend to be a little more flexible where I feel like people's personalities are diverse enough where people can be in different moods, where you can stretch them in certain ways, where in this episode, maybe Lisa cares deeply about what her her friends like what her classmates think of her but in this episode she inexplicably only cares about academics you know i feel like people are four-dimensional enough where you know you can have that push and pull with the continuity now that being said some of the continuity stuff is like where i feel like they can do better in certain instances where i just like we live in the world of the internet where people just kind of know like I, I'm thinking of specifically when they did that Camp Krusty like sequel episode where uh, yeah, they did yeah. Camp Krustier and they wanted to do it as a sequel to Camp Krusty, but then they didn't even like bother to get the details of what the Camp Krusty episode was actually like. And in those cases, I was like, well, if you're doing the direct reference and you're like trading on that continuity, then like I feel like you should put in a little effort, you know? Um, so those kind of things do got my nerves because I feel like they're very blasé about some stuff. But on the other hand, I do feel like Simpsons fans give them way, way, way too much crap about the little things, you know, about like the floating timeline with the 90s and the 2000s. And like, I am totally for Matt Selman just trying a bunch of weird crap with the show. Like we're in season 34, you guys, let's do weird crap. But um, like, but on some of those little details where they can just nail it or not nail it, like I feel like they could do a little better there. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes we're only in season 17 now with the podcast and you're watching and you're thinking, this could have been really awesome if you just seemed to just focus a little bit more on what needed to be focused on. But it's like they just, we, we just did an episode where um, Millhouse's parents got back together. Yeah. And then like, Halfway into the episode, it just becomes another Marge and Homer, you know, breaking up story. And I'm like, we got this two weeks ago. Why are you so fixated on having Homer and Marge splitting up all the time? We're sick of seeing this. Like, this could have been a really fun exploration of the Millhouse character, of anything. Oh, yeah. Those middle seasons, like, that's, like, the stereotype about them. It's just, like, Homer and Marge are about to divorce in, like, almost every episode. Like, the marriage crises is just, like... Jesus Christ, just leave, just leave it alone already. Like, and you know, Millhouse is like, we've never really gotten any, like, like we got the first episode where we see how it affects Millhouse, you know, but like, other than that, like what did Millhouse really get in terms of character development out of his parents divorcing? Nothing. We did get Kirk Van Houten out of it. Yeah. Like we got a lot of fun divorce dad, like deadbeat Kirk. Like I kind of like all the cool stuff we got out of Kirk. He's still kind of a deadbeat dad even though they're back together. But like, like, yeah, you turn that episode into a Homer Marge thing when you have like Millhouse right there, just like begging to have something done with them. Wasn't that the episode where he gets like all emo and like depressed or something? Or or, or am I thinking of a different one? It's, it's the one where he and Bart try to split them up and they hide Marge's bra in Luann's Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not a great one. <laughs> no, no. I watched it and I was like, this episode isn't too bad. And then we reviewed it and I was like, this is not great. <laughs> this yeah. is not good at all. Season 17 is kind of brutal. Yeah. Are you watching season 34? Yeah, I've been watching that. Have you been keeping up with it? 
Yeah, well, now that Disney Plus here in Australia keeps them up to date every Wednesday, we, we get them after the air in America, it's so much easier to keep track of them because for a while there, you didn't know what channel it was airing on, what time it was going to be airing, what day, so I just like sort of gave up. But now with Disney Plus, it's easy to sort of follow along. And I, I do think the new ones are really starting to find their footing again. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, I did a whole video about how, like, season 33 was such a breath of fresh air. I've really liked the direction they've taken the show. And, like, there are some production things behind the scenes going on in terms of, like, how the episodes are being made. And I think... I think there is a new breath of life into the, the way that they're, they're doing these co-showrunner things where like Carolyn Omine is doing some episodes, Tim Long is doing some episodes, you know, they're kind of passing it around where we're getting this nice mix of just people bringing different perspectives to the show. And I think it's been breathing a lot of new life into the show where like there's like a self-awareness of what people want out of like a season 34 of a TV show. Yeah, and plus, I feel like Homer is no longer the jerk ass that he sort of became. He like he's he's got his moments, but they've definitely toned it down. Oh yeah, like he's a total teddy bear now. Like he is. Like I made a joke in a video that he's arguably too nice now. That like Homer's like become this Disney. Like he's become this Disney edgeless dad. Is just like from like TGIF or like Full House or something. You know. Well, we're here today to talk about Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. You selected this episode, so. Give us your thoughts. What, what do you remember about this one? Okay, so when I was watching this episode again, like I remembered watching it at the time and I remember there was kind of a general attitude that The Simpsons is kind of becoming passe or it's just like the show has been kind of up and down or whatever. But I remember really enjoying the episode. But then watching it again today... I'm kind of just in awe that they even made this episode, that they got away with it and not yeah. everybody got immediately fired afterward. Well, here's the thing. It's like, because Bill has said to us in the past, Bill Oakley, that he felt at the time Fox weren't even watching the show anymore. It was just like, just give us some content to put on the station. We don't really care what The Simpsons are doing. But then you read that they actually suggested they add a new character to increase rating. So they were still clearly paying attention to the show. But the fact that, like you said, they were able to get away with this and Fox didn't care... I just thought it was just like it was it took some serious balls, really. Yeah, like half of the episode kind of just feels like the writers just airing their grievances. Like yeah. all of those boardroom scenes are totally like they had a meeting with Fox where they told to add a new character. They had a meeting with Fox talking about the ratings declining and these conversations about the show being as good as ever. Like it's just like an airing of grievances where they're like flipping off where they're flipping the bird at the network and they're kind of flipping the bird at their hardcore fans too. Yep. And it's just yeah. so brazen and amazing that they made this episode of what, 1996, was it, I think? Uh, well, it aired in 97, but yeah, like it does. 97. It, feels, it feels like a letter written straight to alt.tv.simpsons, doesn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like I know, like, like you talked to Bill, like he was reading those Usenet and alt.tv.simpsons and like, like, it's kind of one of the first instances of, like, letting the internet drive you insane from just reading it, like, the doom scrolling, you know. He was, like, one of the first doom scrollers, I think Bill Oakley was. And actually, like, make an episode about all the doom scrolling that you've done and, like, how terrible people are being. It's so ballsy. Well, it's where he got the worst episode ever from, from people writing it in, the, um, in that forum. But I actually did some research. So apparently, the first time that ever appeared on alt.tv.simpsons was in 1992. For the, funnily enough, the Itchy and Scratchy, or Itchy and Scratchy, the movie. That's when that first got said in the forum. Oh, wow. Season four, really? 
Yeah, yeah. So even back then, in 992 people were complaining that it's the worst episode ever. What are they doing? They're ruining the show. And it's like, user JD, what are you talking about, buddy? Yeah, I love reading those old, like, like Simpsons archive reviews that they've still like because like you know the show did go through a lot of different eras like David Merkin took over the show in seasons five and six and obviously people noticed you know and you you read some of those season five reviews and they're like why is the show all crazy why is Homer vigilante and Homer goes to college so weird you know and like like the blowback they were getting as far back as then whereas we watch those episodes episodes now and are like oh those are the golden years but like they're just like the real flashback in time. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe it's just a case of Simpsons fans, the hardcore ones, have just always wanted to complain about something. Oh yeah, and like I talk about how they're flipping the birds at the fans, you know, in some respect in this episode. But like, you know, they kind of had a point about some of it where they're like, you guys were like nitpicking them to death like every single week. So like, you know, I think there is a little bit of this episode that you can criticize in terms of like like their attitude with the fandom, you know? Um, yeah. But like, they do raise a good point about how much they were just like picked to death like birds, you know, every single week. You mentioned doom scrolling just before. Do you do that on your YouTube channel? I mean, most of your comments are positive anyway. I very rarely see a negative comment on your videos, but do you ever get a comment where you go, hey buddy, I put a lot of effort into this video? Yeah, I mean, I doom, I wouldn't say that I doom scroll necessarily. I feel like that, that attitude has been beaten out of me about 10 years ago, probably. Like, I've just been online long enough where I've just learned those lessons to just, you know, walk away after a while. Um, but like most YouTubers or most podcasts or like internet creative type people, like you do get that negative comment and you see it and you're like, ah, like you got a hundred nice comments. And then one, like one person comes on and they're like, wow, this sucks. And you're like, well... Like, it doesn't ruin your day or anything, but you're like, like, screw you. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, come on. Hey, use a four-finger discount. Why are you giving me shit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on to you. I knew it. I knew that. Yes. I knew that avatar was familiar. <laughs> it seems fitting also that this was the episode to um to overtake the Flintstones for the amount of, amount of episodes produced by an animated series. This was 167. They did 166. It's crazy to think that they're on their way to 750. Surely they're just going to get their way to 1,000 now, right? Oh, yeah. Like when they got renewed for, I think they're renewed for seasons 35 and 36, I think. Yeah, two more. Yeah. And yeah, I was like tweeting that they they have to let them get to a thousand. Like if you stop at like 880, like what the hell is that? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> this is also, um, this episode had Alex Rocco's last performance as, um, as Roger Myers Jr., which I thought was strange because he didn't pass until 2015. So you had a good, what, uh, 20 or so years continues to have him back on they just never got him back on the show it seemed Bill and Josh were fans of his they got him back twice but after this performance he just never returned yeah it's so weird because he is so good in this episode like this is probably yeah. my favorite Roger Myers Jr. episode like he has so many good quotable lines in it are there many itchy and scratchy episodes after this one or was this it uh, there's a decent amount of them. Like there's a episode in season 30, like Bart versus itchy and scratchy where they do the female ghostbusters thing and like do a female reboot of itchy and scratchy. Okay. Um, and that episode, but like they kind of transitioned itchy and scratchy to where it's like almost like crusty owns itchy and scratchy. Like he's the head. Like when they did that huh. season 30 episode, they're like fighting with crusty. Like he's the one announcing it and he seems to be like the creative force behind it. So it's almost like, he bought Roger Myers Studios or something. 
Um, like, like, yeah, Roger Myers went totally by the wayside, like in those middle seasons. And I have no idea why, because Alex Rocco's the man, like that voice is amazing. Yeah, it's perfect. And even though, like you're saying, season 30, that's still 22 seasons without having that character. And you think, how? Yeah, like, I'm trying to think. I bet there's got to be a middle season itchy and scratchy episode that I'm forgetting. I There has to be. Because that was sort of a part of Bill and Josh's um formula, was that every season has to have an itchy and scratchy episode. Yeah, they just kind of fell by the wayside for a little while. And then they came back and just kind of did, um, they were just doing like, Whole, just random parodies every single episode so yeah i think they did just kind of stop doing like full-on itchy and scratchy like like meta commentaries like instead they were doing stuff like that web cartoons episode where like he does angry dad instead like they kind of stopped doing these meta episodes for some reason yeah i'm a big fan of bill and josh's formula where you sort of they say you know you gotta have a lisa episode you know, a bard episode a, a itchy and scratchy a sideshow bob just feels like that formula was thrown out the window. What is your favorite sort of like era of the show? Because for me, I think it was like six through eight. That was when I really remember watching the show religiously. Um, in terms of my favorite like overall era, like I like the I, like I'm one of those like first eight seasons kind of guys, you know, uh, yeah. where I just like the whole the first eight seasons. Um, I would yeah. say my favorite like mini era. I think Bill and Josh's era was probably my favorite. Like if mm-hmm. I had to if I had to just choose, just because like. You know, you see this episode, the Poochie episode, and like making a season seven and eight of any TV show is just ridiculously hard, like because so much stuff has been done already. And the fact that they were able to come in there in season seven and make such an amazing season of television that's like well balanced, a little experimental with like the 22 short films episode and then come back with season eight, like it's kind of a minor miracle that their episodes are as good as they are, because they should be everything that this episode is criticizing where it's like gimmicky with Roy and Poochie, but instead, no, it's just good, solid Simpsons all the way through. And I remember as a kid watching, how old were you when this first aired? Oh, probably I would have been like 13 or 12 or 11, somewhere around there. Okay. So I was only like maybe eight when this first aired. So as a kid, I was like, who is this Roy? Why are they? Wh- wh- why is this guy coming into it? It wasn't until I got older that I realized I appreciated this episode for what it was. It's amazing how this episode, you can enjoy it as a kid, not understanding what it's going for. When you get older, you're like, fuck, this is actually classic. But the question is, though, did you think that Poochie was cool when you were little, though? I remember being really disappointed that they killed it off just for Homer's sake. But, yeah. I, but the, the, the Poochie character, though, was just... It was too in your face. I was like, this guy just seems like the guy that the jock at school that's bullying everybody. Yeah, like like this episode like feels very like relevant to today with like the fan culture, but it is so aggressively 90s with like the, you know, Rastify him by 20% or whatever kind Extreme. of thing. Like, like the sunglasses and everything. Like the yeah. mascot era was so big. And like, you know, the episode, because I kind of felt the same way when I was 12, where the episode's telling you that Poochie is lame. But when you're that young, you're like, he is kind of a cool dog in a weird way. Like the episode's telling you one thing, but you do kind of get suckered into that extreme 90s attitude back then. Yeah. Oh, everything was extreme. But this is the thing. The Simpsons at this point, so the whole episode sort of highlighting that everyone still loved The Simpsons whilst they might not necessarily been watching it every week. Were you at that point by season eight? Were you still watching the show every single week or you sort of found something else? Because South Park hadn't come around yet. I feel like South Park really sort of took over that controversial animation sort of slot in later 1997. 
I was definitely still watching at that point. I kind of fell out around, I would say, like season 10 or season 11, I think. And that was just yeah. because I got busy with like middle school and high school type things when I was just a little older. You know, yeah. you know, like once you're like a cool high schooler, you're like, I don't have time to watch like The Simpsons. You know, you're you're like, no, I'm saying like so derisively, like, you know, I still liked The Simpsons as a high schooler. But I'm not going to like turn on the TV on thursday night or whenever it was airing then and just like you know watch it because i got you know i got going all these dates and all these clubs you know because i'm a cool high schooler but <laughs> well, it, it wasn't a cool show anymore though was it yeah you know well, yeah like south park came out and that was the new hotness and the simpsons is just like that old crusty show that's just like having like you know that guy from the Munsters on now or whatever so <laughs> and squiggy. i can't remember his name yeah and squiggy not squiggy I remember that Squiggy episode and just really not liking Squiggy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even know who he was. I think my parents had to explain it to me. Four Figure Discount is brought to you by our incredible supporters on Patreon, who each month enjoy our exclusive Futurama podcast, classic movie reviews, Simpsons audio commentaries, early ad-free access to all of our shows, including Speaking of the Hill, Talking Seinfeld, Going Down to South Park, The One About Friends, and more, as well as access to our exclusive Facebook community, where you get to banter with us all on a daily basis. Plus, we've just set ourselves a goal of launching a Bob's Burgers podcast once we hit a thousand supporters. So go ahead and join the family today and get even more Four Finger Discount in your ears every week at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. Next question. You there, eating the paste. But before we get into the, the deep dive of the episode, I've got some trivia questions for you. We usually do trivia here. Guy's not here. Oh, by the way, guys, Guy's not dead. He's just not feeling well. <laughs> but we've got some trivia questions here for Mr. Jim. So my first one here, let's see how much you remember this episode. Oh, God, uh, I'm so bad at trivia. <laughs> when Roger first walks into Krusty's office, there's a poster on the wall behind him, right, featuring Mr. Teeny. What was the event that it's promoting? The event? I see. I saw when I watched it just now. I saw the Mr. Teeny poster, but I have no idea what it said. What is it? He's say? wearing. He's wearing skates. What do you think? Uh, roller derby. No, nah, it's it's crusty capades. Oh, dang. Okay. Next one is uh, Homer would rather listen to who instead of himself. Who instead? I uh, see. I'm picturing the scene. <sighs> this is so embarrassing. <laughs> <sighs> who is it? It's cheap trick. Oh yeah, cheap trick. Yes, cheap trick. I'd rather listen. Yeah. Okay, go on. What one more one more side game before we get into it. So, how much does a copy of Toon Beat magazine cost? Toon Beat Ma- like I'm supposed to look at this. Uh <laughs> Oh my god. Like I am really showing how much attention detail I show. I am going to guess 2.99. Oh, not bad. It's 4.95. Okay, 4.95. In 1997, would that have felt like an expensive magazine? Four ninety five, yeah. Like, what's five dollars today? I bet that's like what, like eleven dollars or something. Be at now? least tennis, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, at least. But all right, let's get into our review of the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. Original air date February 9th, nineteen ninety seven. Written by David X. Cohen. Directed by Stephen Dean Moore. Guest starred Alex Rocco and Phil Hartman as part of the auditions. There was no chalk gag, but the couch gag was the parody of Sergeant Pepper's. Are you a Beatles fan? I'm a big Beatles fan myself, but. Yeah, I'm a big Beatles fan. My dad, like, every single week would, like, listen to, like, Breakfast with the Beatles, you know, on the weekend. You know? So, <laughs> I've listened to so much Beatles in my life. Usually that means that you grow up to not be a fan, though, when your parents are just forcing it down your throat like that. 
Yeah, but I feel like the Beatles are so... Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I should hate the Beatles, right? But I feel like the Beatles are so good that they were able to, like, surpass, like, the childhood, like, tired of it. So, yeah, I love Beatles. I feel like anyone who doesn't like the Beatles is just saying it because they want to be a bit different. Yeah, like, all your, like, Beatles haters right now are so mad because they're, like, you're being... You're calling them out for just being contrarian at this point. Yes. Like, come on, like the Beatles made so much different music between like, I want to hold your hand to like their stuff they were doing in the 70s that you got to like something that they made. It was only like six years too. They made so much. <laughs> oh my, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, time moves so slow back then. It did, yeah. So the episode kicks off with Krusty introducing a fan schmabulous episode of Itching Scratchy. Why do fools fall in lava? In which uh, Scratchy does a bungee jump into a volcano, gets filled with what we call petrol, you call gas, and um, gets burnt. But unfortunately, nobody's watching. Marge finds the kid. I thought it was strange. They were eating cereal in the afternoon. Yeah, it's such a weird pullout. I like the kind of screw the audience thing where, you know, where you, you get the cartoon at the beginning and they're not actually watching it. But yeah, why did they pick cereal of all things that they could be doing? Like they, she even says it's like such a nice day outside and they're like, you know, eating cereal instead. I guess the joke is meant to be they're doing something mundane together. And what else would they be doing together in the house besides, I guess, just eating food? But if you're eating cereal, I was like, why is she eating Krusty brand cereal? It's like, it's like it's, we, we find out later on that uh, Itchy and Scratchy airs at 425. That's when the ratings crashed. Yeah, and you can't even use the argument because like, like you probably did that when you were little where you just like pour in some cereal while you're just like watching TV, but if it's like dry cereal and just watching it, but like yeah. just sitting there eating cereal when it's not breakfast or a meal. Yeah. I kind of like the choice just because it's so weird. The more I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Roger Myers Jr. He goes to see Krusty and there was a note on the door that said cleaning crew. The liquor is not for you, which is a gag. See little things like that. I, I still find something new every time I watch these old episodes. I've never seen that gag before. Yeah, I watched this episode twice, and both times I tried to see what the thing said and failed both times. So I'm glad you told me. <laughs> this is another trivia question I would have gotten wrong. Uh, so I like how they had the Itchy and Scratchy briefcase as well. Just to let you know, this guy runs Itchy and Scratchy, in case you weren't aware, little kids watching at home. has the big logo on his suitcase. But he's basically just talking up Krusty. He's trying to distract him from the fact that his show's not doing well. Hey, Krusty, you look great. You get your teeth bleached? Yeah, it's a new kind of polymer treatment. Hey, shut up! You're here because your itchy and scratchy cartoons are stinking up my ratings. Look at this breakdown of yesterday's show. Uh, 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 ew, kaboom! What happened here? Lightning hit the transmitter? See, that's what I thought at first, but that. Hey, shut up! That crater is where your lousy cartoon crash landed. It's ratings poison! But itchy and scratchy is critically acclaimed. Acclaimed? He mentions here that, but Itchy and Scratchy is critically acclaimed. And from the get-go, you're like, okay, so Itchy and Scratchy in this episode is The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I love the lightning hit the transmitter thing. But it's kind of a weird dynamic where, like, now for some reason, Krusty is calling the shots on Roger Myers. Whereas you'd see other episodes where, yeah. like, what is it, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, where it seems like, you know, Roger Myers is the big guy. But now it seems like Krusty is the one in charge, is, like, actively yelling at him. I guess because... The ratings have dropped, and there he and there Roger Myers' outlet to get the show out to the people. Do, uh, this is kind of an ignorant question, but do like networks have that much data to that fine point where that they could see that for these five minutes the ratings crashed? Like, is that actually a real thing where they'd be able to measure that? Yeah, so they have a thing called the Nielsen ratings, and then because I, I actually I'm a wrestling fan, so I watch wrestling, and they talk about wrestling ratings sometimes. 
and they can say that they go by quarters. So it's like every 15 minutes. So it's like in this quarter during this match, the ratings tanked. So they're like, okay, well, let's not put this guy on the show anymore. So they can do it by quarters. I'm not sure if they can necessarily do it by the minute like they do in this one here, but yeah. Like that's some like YouTube algorithm stuff where you're seeing like the dips and valleys of it or whatever. Like that's really, it's it's very strange to me though. Like, did people just turn off the TV show and then just turn it back on again? Like, I don't. I'm getting really in the weeds here. Maybe they just turn it off completely. But it's just so weird that people that they they could measure this too or whatever. The, the weird thing is too is that the Simpsons were still watching the the Itchy Scratchy show. It was still on. The ratings still would have counted. They just weren't watching it themselves. Like, they were really ahead of the curve in terms of, like, engagement filters, I think, back in 1997. Do you ever have a show, like, a favorite show of yours where, even when you were a bit younger, where you felt like it wasn't the popular show anymore, so you just sort of watched it just to make sure that they kept it on TV? So, I've got, I've got to support this thing. Oh, like, out of just, like, a sense of duty, almost? Yeah, I feel yeah. like I was doing, I feel like I was doing that when Community was on the air. Because, yep. like, Community's ratings, like, NBC was such a trash hole back then in terms of their ratings. Whereas it's like, I got to watch The Office and Parks and Rec and Community. <laughs> like, maybe not The Office. Like, they didn't need the ratings. But, like, just to, just so that NBC knows that people are watching, you know. So, probably that. I think I was like that for later Simpsons seasons, like the teen ones. Even, like, season 17. I think I dropped off after the movie. Like when it went, like, full HD, I think I was just like, eh, this show's not for me anymore for a while. But, the like, season 16, 17, it really felt like I was the only one of my friends still watching The Simpsons. I'm like, I've got to support this thing. They're going to take it off the air. Yeah, I feel like they were just kind of cranking out episodes just because, like, I don't know, their syndication deal becomes more and more lucrative over time as they put in more episodes. Like, now it's just, you know, you throw all that stuff up on streaming and watch, like, the streaming numbers roll. And, like, that's what they seem to care about these days. Um, but, yeah, back then it's just, like, you look around and you're like, is anyone actually watching this show? Yeah, I think with, it, with season 17 of The Simpsons as well, I think a lot of the quality was because of they were, they were doing double duties with the movie. And they've said they won't make that mistake again because they didn't hire new staff to create the movie. It was everyone who was making the show now also have to make this movie on top of what they're already doing. And I think the show suffered as a result of that. Well, that explains a lot about season 17. I, people on my channel have heard me complain about that season. Like, I'm glad it's not just me. Like, I feel like season 16, you can kind of feel a little bit yeah, too I like, in there. I like season like 16. Season, season 17, just like, when I watched that, I was like, they were like, three or four episodes where I could like where I put them in like the good pile and everything else just like oh yeah I'm not looking forward to that season <laughs> by the way listeners you're not aware I'm actually seeing Jim for the first time right now I'm not, you guys aren't going to see him obviously but I'm seeing right now it's just it's just so weird seeing you do like like the way you're just like oh I'm just like I'm so used to hearing you do that but seeing you do it it's a whole different dynamic yeah, uh, Dondo, he, you're really discovering what a hand talker I am right now because, like, yeah, <laughs> on the YouTube, you can't see me, like, waving my hands around like crazy. But, I, you know, I have a very monotonous voice. Like, I'm sure everybody can tell I'm kind of just, you know, steady Eddie with my voice. But, like, to get myself to emote, I feel like I got to move my hands everywhere. So you're getting that for the first time. Well, you'll notice I've got my hands crossed because I'm exactly the same. When I get my hands crossed, they're going everywhere. Oh, yeah. Like, I totally just, like, constantly, like, just whack the mic constantly. I, I have to re-record so much stuff because, like, little really? clicks show up in there. It's terrible. Have you ever had any editing issues where you've just lost what you've recorded? I've done that, like, two or three times, and it's just heartbreaking. I haven't yet, but I'm a very paranoid person about saving in Audacity. So, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> the, the worst part is when you... The, I always have issues with Premiere Pro. Do you use Premiere Pro to edit your videos? 
no, I just use like a junkie editor. Like it's a really complicated thing, but no, I don't use Premiere for that. I love how just like, and I mean it's in the po- most positive way possible, like how sort of like simple your videos are with just like the still shots moving around. I'm just like, he's never changed. Please never change. Yeah, it's actually like an animation, like it's actually like an animation suite where I'm doing the actual like stills editing and moving stuff around because doing yeah. it in an actual editing suite would just take bloody forever. Like uh, Lydia from The Simpsons Theory did, did a, like an homage to my style. And I could tell that like it took probably took her a while just because <laughs> doing it in the editing suite. But yeah, doing it in an animation suite makes it so much quicker and then putting it in like the real editing software. Well, Krusty here, he um he threatens to replace his Shin Scratcher with a Chinese show with robots, but he's a lazy, lazy man, so he just tells Roger Myers to come back, or don't come back until Itchy and Scratchy is fixed, slams the door. And then we get Mel. Now, with, like I said, in season 17 of The Simpsons, and Sideshow Mel, he seems to be getting a lot more airtime than he used to get, to the point where it's just annoying now. He has that line like this, in like if, what feels like every episode. But still back then, though, he was just this poor little sidekick to Krusty, which I was able to still enjoy. I always forget when I watch the episode that there is actually a Mel joke when he walks in the room because I always expect like him to like slam the door and then just show like Mel looking nervous and then like a cut to the next scene. Like maybe yeah. that's a syndication cut or whatever. Poss- but like, yeah, whenever happens. Mel comes in the room, I'm always surprised. Yeah, well, that does happen though because we watch these syndicated episodes so often that these things were missing. There's one in the um in the Rosebud episode for Australia. I don't know why they cut it out, but when Homer uh, has the, the cardboard box on his head. Do you remember that clip, that scene? Where he's trying to entertain uh, yeah. Maggie? You just always get cut out on TV for some reason. So when I see it on DVDs and things, I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's weird. But um, so they went out the mall and Marge is going to shop for a brassiere. So she tells the kids to go, just go wander around and meet me back here. This is where they get the focus group, man. Kids, would you like to come with me? <laughs> <laughs> I will admit I did not get that joke at all when I was little. Like, not at all. No, like, I think no. in the 90s, you just kind of just went wherever at that point. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, this man seems pleasant. We'll go for a stroll. Yeah, why not? And, uh, you know, he says no one's spying on them. The mirror sneezes. And he says, don't worry, that mirror is just old. It might hear some sneezing, some coughing, some talking softly. And then he gives the thumbs up. Up, which is one of my favorite screenshots ever the thumbs up into the mirror <laughs> yeah nice what are some of your favorite simpsons like screenshots for memes and things like that oh in terms of the simpsons screenshots uh i have so many screenshots it's really hard to list specifics I, there's like this one where i posted on twitter there in that episode of eiei doe there's this mm. moment where they all look up at the same time and their noses are pointing in the air. You might have seen the screenshot, but it oh, is the yeah, most, but, yeah. like the horrifying them just all looking up in their noses. And it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. They like itchy. They like scratchy. One kid seems to love the Speedo, man. What more do they want? Okay, how many of you kids would like itchy and scratchy to deal with real life problems like the ones you face every day? <laughs> And who would like to see them do just the opposite? Getting into far-out situations involving robots and magic powers. So you want a realistic, down-to-earth show that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. And also, you should win things by watching. <sighs> you kids don't know what you want. That's why you're still kids, because you're stupid. Just tell me what's wrong. What the freaking show? <laughs> really, this is what kids' focus groups must have been like, right? Oh, yeah. This scene is definitely one of those where they got notes from the network 
saying <laughs> what they wanted out of them. And they were totally contradictory. Or this is a focus group that they actually had for their show. Yes. Um, but Millhouse, you know, says he should also, also win things for watching. I, I would have totally been down for that. Winning things for watching The Simpsons. Like, would you, what, what's a, a piece of Simpsons memorabilia you would have loved to have won in the 90s? Because someone won a Simpsons house and they still didn't want it. I was like, what is wrong with you? Oh, well, I totally wanted to win that Who Shot Mr. Burns contest to yeah. be animated into a show. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Of course. Uh, other actual merchandise that I want? Hmm. I'm not even sure. Like, at that age, I would have just taken, like, a Poochie doll at that point. Like, I would just take anything as a 12-year-old. What about Disgruntled Goat? Oh, yeah. You know, it's a shocker that they haven't even, like, made those because I would totally buy know, right? a disgruntled goat. Like, I'm maybe not Ku Klux Klan. I don't think I'd buy him. <laughs> but all the other ones, totally. Like, disgruntled goat is the man. Uh, that's the thing with Simpsons merchandise for so long. They're kind of changing a little bit now. But for so long, it felt like you have all these meta gags that you can be making, like disgruntled goat plush and things like that. And you go to Universal Studios and you think, how are these not here? You could be making so much money from these things. Yeah, I went there recently, actually, and like they have a lot of cool merch. Like I did a video about it and everything, but like a lot of it is kind of generic. And I feel like there's like this whole like they did a Trials of Horror recently, like all about the obsessive Simpsons fandom. And they, they should be like mining this for like fun and resources and gags, like because there's clearly a market for it. Uh, so this is where you know, he yells at the kids. Ralph starts crying. Lisa explains to, uh, to Roger Myers that you know, there's nothing wrong with the show. It's as good as ever. You know, it's just after so many years, the characters can't have the same impact they once had. Um, uh, so this is basically the message they're trying to say to Fox. Like, look, there's nothing wrong with this show. Stop trying to give us notes. It's part of our contract that you can't give us notes. The show is fine. It's just people just, you know, we, we, it's hard to have the same impact that we once had. You're not going to get Bartomania once again because that was lightning in a bottle. What do you... Give me your, what were your favorite things about Bartomania? Because you lived through it. I didn't get to live through that. Oh, Bartomania, it was just everywhere. Like, like all, like I was really into like video games. So I was like totally eating up like all the NES games, all the Super Nintendo games, you know, like yeah. I totally had the um, like eat my shorts, like t-shirts and everything. Um, I freaking love Bartomania. Like the other thing was like Bartman. Like, he seemed to be everywhere, even though he really? was only in, like, what, one episode? Yeah, yeah like, season two, yeah. Yeah, when I was little, I thought, like, Bartman was, like, the coolest thing in the world. And I always wondered when I was little, like, when is Bartman going to come back on the show? Um, because, like, Bart was, like, the thing. But then, like, by seasons three and four and five, like, it's, like, all about Homer, you know, at that point. So it's kind of weird. I think it just became easy for the writers to write for Homer than a 10-year-old boy. It's why the, sh the show seemed to shift. Yeah, and it kind of shifted pretty quickly. Like, I, like when you think of Bartmania, you think of like what season one and maybe half of season two, maybe. Like, we're talking like yeah. nineteen ninety one and ninety two, right? Yeah, because yeah, it would have been yeah then because you think how many episodes started with Bart da or Bart does this, Bart does that in those first maybe three seasons at most, and then it's just all Homer goes to college, Homer the vigilante, Homer this, Homer that. It just becomes the Homer show. Yeah, it makes you wonder why in like see by season eight, when they're talking about like they need to poochify the show. I wonder if they were getting like, would there be an instinct to like try to bring Bart back as like the radical character? You know what I mean? Because mm. like they had Bart right there, who's I'm not going to say Bart is the poochie of the family, but like if anybody in the family is the poochie, it's Bart. 
you know so i'm kind of surprised their instinct wasn't to shift back toward bart a little more but do they do kind of acknowledge that in the episode where he, he mentions the don't have a cow man catchphrase but i guess maybe even by like 1997 bart's catchphrases what seemed cool in 1990 weren't cool anymore yeah that's true because he'd been around for like seven or eight years and like yeah, the radical 90s attitude. I guess you can't really just bring Bart back as like the cool. I feel like saying cool hip character sounds <laughs> makes me sound like such an old man right now. But like like being like the guy for the show again. Yeah. He was cool though. He was he was like the coolest kid on TV. Yeah, I feel like he was still like the cool character, but like I don't know, like you're right though that everybody who's watching The Simpsons is not for like the Bart show anymore, but just for everyone. Like Bart doesn't even really have anything to do in this episode other than like no. yell at comic book guy. So we're now at the Itchy and Scratchy Studios and he suggests they have a new character get introduced to the show, just to the writers. And we get all the Simpsons writers here on um in this episode. So what was the list that we had? Like Bill Oakley, Josh Weinstein, David X. Cohen was there, David Silverman comes up in a few moments. We also get Dan McGrath, Ian Maxstone Graham, Donnick Carey, uh, Ron how I want to say his name is Ned Goldreyer and Mike Scully. I couldn't pick which one was Mike Scully though. Wait, isn't uh, isn't George Meyer there too? Isn't he? Oh, the George Meyer. He's one. He's one that gets fired, of course. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Mike Scully. Yeah, because I noticed there was like a couple guys in the room that just like never says anything. So yeah. I wonder if Mike Scully was one of them, or maybe in like the sound booth, perhaps. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed they didn't have those guys voice the characters because surely they could have just voiced themselves, right? Yeah, were none of the people actually, because yeah, I haven't listened to the commentary in a while, but were any of those random voices, any of the people, because they like they have that sound guy later, and he has like a very specific voice, but like that's not the sound guy? No, it's not. Okay, because like they're yeah. so distinct, and like it doesn't yeah. sound like, you know, the cartoon voice actory kind of voice. And you think if you're writing the lines, you know how you want them delivered, so surely you could deliver them, but who knows? I bet they had a conversation about that and they were like, okay, guys, this is a very self-indulgent episode Yeah, and it would be even more self-indulgent to just have us voice the characters. So I bet they probably had a conversation. They're like, okay, this is too far. We'll just have the voice actors do it. Uh, so they've, they've designed uh, Poochie. They've, they've shaded in the glasses. He's got that cool factor now. I noticed the, um, the tuba in the background of that room because obviously David Silverman, big tuba fan, plays the tuba. Yeah, uh, that was a that was a nice detail. Like, do you think like has he ever had like the network standing over him while he's designing like that? Like, I feel like that probably happens all the time cynically. But you'd think David Silverman would be respected enough where he wouldn't have to deal with this. I think that was just their way of just sort of overemphasizing, "Hey, get off our backs, guys." Yeah. Was this also the first appearance of like the Lindsay Nagel-esque character? Oh, she's so weird in this. Like, she has, like, weirdly brown hair, yeah. I think. And, like, she, like, looks weirdly pallid and pale. It's clearly Tress McNeil. It's Lindsay Nagel, but it's just, um, I don't know whether we've actually seen her before. But she she has always represented just the, uh, you know, the, the suits, hasn't she? Yeah, she's so good in this, though. I Like, when I watched it just now, I really love the pause she gives after the guy corrects her and says, oh, you mean Cerberus? dog and she just like stares at him for a moment and just like moves on it's she's so perfectly performed i have figured out how to rejuvenate the show it is so simple you egghead writers would have never thought of it what we need is a new character one that today's kids can relate to are you absolutely sure that's wise sir i mean i don't want to sound pretentious here but itchy and scratchy comprise a dramaturgical dyad hey this ain't art it's business what do you got in mind sexy broad gangster octopus no 
No, the animal chain of command goes mouse, cat, dog. D-O-G. Uh, a dog? Uh, isn't that a tad predictable? In your dreams, we're talking the original dog from hell. You mean Cerberus? We at the network want a dog with attitude. He's edgy. He's in your face. You've heard the expression, let's get busy? Well, this is a dog who gets busy. Consistently and thoroughly. So he's proactive, huh? Oh, God, yes. We're talking about a totally outrageous paradigm. Excuse me, but proactive and paradigm, aren't these just buzzwords that dumb people use to sound important? Not that I'm accusing you of anything like that. I'm fired, aren't I? Oh, yes. The family are all out eating breakfast. The Springfield Shopper has the, um, the headline, Funny Dog to Make Life Worthwhile. And Lisa points out how adding a new character is just a desperate attempt to add uh, boost to low ratings. This is where we get Roy. Roy was originally planned to be in Trials of Horror 5. During the, oh, time, and punish- the time and Punishment um, segment. What's, don't know, which, is it Time and Punishment? The one with the toaster? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he was going to be one of the alternate realities where they have an extra, an extra son. Okay, I guess that makes a lot of sense because he is in this episode like an alternate reality and it's so cool how casually they treat him. It's just like, oh, hey, Roy, like he's been there the entire time. It's um, it's just genius. Like you'd think there would be an instinct to like poochify him and be like, oh, this is the cool new character. But to just be like, oh, he was just always here. It's such a yeah. cool creative choice. I wonder what he would have looked like in season... Because that would have been season six. That's Trials of Horror 5. I wonder what he would have looked like then because they clearly based his design off of Poochie here. So you would have felt like they would have designed Poochie first and then designed Roy after. I wonder how he would have looked in, in Trials of Horror. Yeah, that's a good one because I bet they would try to do something more like organic to the Simpsons style. Like mm. somewhere in the Bart Lisa kind of continuity. Like I really want to see what that character would look like now because there's no way they would do the Roy, the Roy design. No, no, and I wonder whether he would have been cool and laid back like that as well. It's, it's interesting, but we're now at the auditions. Did you see that the amount of people who are auditioning there? We've got some random people, like Sarah Wigan was there. Um, obviously, Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz were in line. Kearney and Jimbo were in line. Miss Hoover, Ruth Powers, Otto and Mole Man. And then we get a random guy with this curly black hair, and then another guy who kind of looks like the Springfield Shopper reporter Dave Shutton, just wearing PJs. It's a really weird character <laughs> design. You think... You're wearing, you got like all these known characters and then there's two randoms just standing there. You're like, what? I mean, the world of the Simpsons is big. Springfield's a huge place. Whoa, a talking dog. <laughs> what were you guys smoking when you came up with that? We were eating rotisserie chicken. Can you just read the line, please? Ruff, ruff. I'm Poochie, the ragging dog. You're perfect. In fact, you're better than perfect. Next to you, Perfection is crap! Ruff, Ruff, I'm Poochie the Rockin' Dog. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such cartoons as Christmas Ape and Christmas Ape Goes to Summer Camp. You're even better than this guy! Take a hike, you bum. <sighs> we need to acknowledge uh, Phil Hartman. Whenever you get Phil Hartman, it always makes the episode that much better. The loss of Phil Hartman truly felt like a part of the Simpsons' soul was taken away, don't you reckon? Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, they're totally, like, like what are they going to do for film strips after, like, Phil Hartman's gone? Like, like they just all became kind of generic. They didn't even do them as much. He brought so much to the show. And even just kind of popping in for, like, I mean, he's funny in this. He's not, like, the highlighted episode, but just him being in the episode made it just a little tiny bit better, this scene. Yes. But um, but this is where Jerk Ass Homer pays off. He gets the role. So he's, um, he's doing his level check. And this is where he meets June Bellamy. 
but you're a lady. I'm like, imagine how many people would have spoken to Nancy Cartwright. Like, you can't be the voice of Bart. You're a girl. Oh, she she has gotten this conversation so many times. It's brutal. <laughs> I think by this point, everyone knows now. But in the nineties, man, it would have been horrific for her, surely. The weird thing about the scene is like that they have the voice actor for Itchy and Scratchy. Like, what does she do most of the time? Just scream as Scratchy, I think, because this was kind of before the era of Itchy and Scratchy talking all the time. Like, I feel like before this episode. It was just mostly, you know, like the silent cartoon kind of deal with maybe a few screams here or there. So them introducing that she is the voice actor and they do talk to each other a lot kind of feels like they opened a can of worms with this episode. The more I think about it. I never really actually thought about that. We barely ever hear Itchy say anything. It's always just scratchy screaming and that's it. You're right. Yeah, that's weird. But I mean, to, to sort of emphasize the um the point they're going for, they need to have her be a, a voice artist. But we just spoke with um with Jim Cummings, uh, the voice of Winnie the Pooh and all these... Uh, you know, acclaimed Disney voice artist. He was talking about this one. He was just like, so many people just walk up to him and just say, do the voice. And it's like, oh, uh, do the voice. Do they really? Like, yeah. Uh, how do they know it's him though? <laughs> because he goes at conventions. He goes, people will like, you know, uh, get their signature and they always go, do the voice. And he's like, I do a thousand voices. <laughs> Can you be more specific, please? But yeah, if I ever met Nancy Cartwright, there's no way. Like, I'd be too shy, first of all. But, like, to ask her, oh, do, like, Nelson for me or Bart. Like, you know, like, that's what they do for a living all day. Like, if they want to do the voice to be fun or conversational, fine. But, like, yeah, that's 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 shitty. But when you're speaking to these guys, they're pros. They know you want to hear the voice. So, if you're just organically talking, they'll just organically drop it into a conversation for you. Because they know you want to hear it. But don't ask to hear it. Yeah, like that. Like, there's so much about like fandom interaction with like production. There are so many lessons that can be learned in this one, either via Homer or during during the comic book I seen later. Hi, question from Miss Bellamy. In episode two F O nine, when Ichi plays Scratchy's skeleton like a xylophone, he strikes the same rib twice in succession. Yet he produces two clearly different tones. I mean, what are we to believe that this is some sort of uh, <laughs> a magic xylophone or something? Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Uh, well, uh- I'll field this one. Let me ask you a question. Why would a man whose shirt says genius at work spend all of his time watching a children's cartoon show? I withdraw my question. Uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Simpson. Uh, on the itchy and scratchy CD-ROM, is there a way to get out of the dungeon without using the wizard key? What the hell are you talking about? Do you think this is the most iconic moment from the episode? Besides the Poochie died on his way back to his home planet? Oh, for sure. Well, it's definitely for me because I get the magic xylophone YouTube comment constantly. So for me, this is a scene I, I get to experience a lot like throughout my, throughout the year. What's funny is that like when we were kids, when I was a kid, I always saw Doug, the one who says the line as like, oh, yeah, you, you prick, like you, you smart ass. But now I'm just like, I kind of became him. Like, I kind of became that nerd. <laughs> Like, do you think, though, that it was good for the fandom that we got roasted this thoroughly so early in its run, you know, because like, you know, there's like it's been 20 years since this moment. And like the fact that we got called out so early, I kind of feel like it made the fandom better in a weird way where where we're at least all self-aware of what we're doing. Right. Yeah, I think at least by this point here with this episode, what it did was it made the hardcore fans realize, oh, they are paying attention to us. We're not just ranting into nothing, into the into nothingness. So like that, they are listening to us. 
So maybe they they complained. Do you reckon they complained less as a result, or do you think oh, it just no fueled way. them to complain more? <laughs> oh, they definitely complain more. This is the internet we're talking about, of course. Yeah. Like, I swear, like you gotta you gotta read some of those capsules for uh, the principal and the popper the following oh, season. Mate. Like, <laughs> like that's obviously the most extreme examples, but like. Oh man, they had so much to say about the direction that the Simpsons were going in after that. Like, I'm kind of surprised after them poking the bear that a giant shitstorm didn't happen. It probably did. Like, I'm probably just talking out of ignorance, but like the shitstorm, like, can you imagine if this episode were made today in the era of Twitter, like how bad oh, it would be? For a show that was so beloved at the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the thing is, 10 year old me watching Principal and the Pauper, I didn't care i enjoyed i didn't i wasn't bothered by it but then when i got older i was like oh yeah i can see why people were annoyed at the time but i think just because i wasn't old enough to understand how much it was fucking with the timeline of, of the skinner character that it didn't bother me and it still to this day doesn't really bother me i'm just like yeah whatever yeah the actual continuity doesn't bother me that much either just because it's kind of it's kind of a cool direction to take the character like what bothers me is like like it's kind of a it's kind of a gimmicky episode. Like that's the only thing I don't like about it. It's kind of soap opery, you know, which I feel like the Simpsons should be above. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what it did to Simpson to Skinner's character, like I'm more annoyed that they just don't care about the episode and they do all these like that's you know the screenshots of him like in the womb of like Agnes, yeah. where like you know it's kind of weird now. And him, you know, him being like the army hero that he want, that he says he was when he wasn't really. I'm just like, but we've already established he wasn't. I'm really, I'm willing to go principal on the pulpit, but at least keep that as the continuity going forward. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's not yeah, rant about that. That's like a hole. We don't want to get down. I'm shaking my fist at Matt Stillman right now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I did uh, see that Ethan Sloan, a, a, a fan of yours on YouTube, he commented on your um your your itchy and scratchy timeline. I think it was that Benjamin the nerd is the guy who pulls the plug on the TV during the Homer Goes to College episode during the episode of Itchy and Scratchy in which. Scratchy finally gets itchy, right? But now they're apparently huge fans. Are we just supposed to assume Ooh. that they just became huge fans afterwards? Wow, yeah. I've legit never thought about it. Yeah, it was his rock tumbler he wanted to plug in. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I hope someone was fired for that. <laughs> but plus, also, whenever you get Database as a character, I just love it. We need more database representation on the show. He's, he's a good character. We do. Um, everyone's over now at the Simpsons house for the premiere. And I'm um, no Barney's there. Did you hear that Barney says? I never heard this before. In the background, you hear him say, "Poochie's based on me." Did you yeah, I love I love that detail. <laughs> I love that like that they're even just having a party to begin with to invite everybody yeah. to watch like a four minute like kids animated cartoon. But it's so 1997, though, isn't it? To have people over to watch because you know you can't just stream it later on if you in case you miss it. You've got to be watching it at the time. Back in the time, back in the day where New Simpsons, if you didn't tape it, man, you have to wait till syndication. That could you might you may never get to see that episode again. Yeah, that's true. So did did they just all get together and just watch part of Krusty the Clown together to watch that? Like, and like Mo is like wearing a suit for some yeah. reason, and like, <laughs> like every like I know like it's their friend Homer. Like, if if one of my friends were in an animated cartoon, I would definitely watch, even if it was just like a little kids show or whatever. And also, yeah. I like animation. I'm not gonna knock it, but like the fact that everybody got together as a big party and like Mo dressed up like warms my heart so much. Yeah, and I, I always love when he calls her Midge as well. Midge, help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mo, Mo's, Mo's the best. I like that Jasper's there as well. I feel like Jasper was just there to support Grandpa because Grandpa's there, so he brought a buddy. And you need him to like set up the like little girl joke with the Nancy Cartwright reference. Yes. So. Very important. 
also it's a it gets sort of back reference or reference later on i think it is principal and the pauper because jasper didn't want to come by himself it's like why is grandpa here in the car oh yeah that's right yes. see there you go like like that is good see we complain about their continuity with doug but that is good continuity that grandpa would want a friend to this important important event yes so the uh the beagle has landed at airs and this whole thing millhouse is just like we're looking at the fireworks factory. That's a line I just use all the time when something's taking oh. too long. Yeah, like fireworks factory has become shorthand for like the cool thing, like in a yes. TV show. Behold the future of comedy. Poochie! And bark. And bark. Woof, woof, woof. Joe Camel and a third Bonzarelli. I'm the Kung Fu hippie from Gangster City. I'm a rapping surfer, you the fool I pity. Oh, Poochie is one outrageous dude. He's totally in my face. Wiggity, wiggity, word up. Lock on, party. When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> Can somebody tell me what the hell is going on? Mitch, help me out here. Quiet. You're missing the jokes. On the flip side, dude masters. Not! Hey, kids, always recycle. To the extreme! Busted! And I thought it was a great way to just sort of reiterate how much of a douche this guy is that you don't get to see the fireworks factory. He just drives past it at the end. I, like, when I watched this back, I was like, is there active sabotage on the part of the writers? You know what I mean? Because, like, they have to know how bad this is that they're teeing up the fireworks factory or whatever. Like, I feel like there's some kind of sabotage going on where they're like, the network's making us do this. Let's make it as shitty as possible. Oh, 100%. Yeah, they, they did not like the character of Pooch and they wanted you to not like him as well. But as you were saying, yeah. that when you were younger, you kind of liked him. Yeah, like I admit it. Like, what's weird about the continuity of The Simpsons now, like I mentioned that Bard versus Itchy and Scratchy episode in season 30, but there are characters wearing poochie shirts in that episode where it's reached the point where poochie is a fun nostalgic relic of the 90s mm. where i guess in canon people like poochie now or at least some people do although how does that work with homer doing the voice now that i think about it but like he's almost like a funny relic on the show it's really weird yeah what's fu- it's to the point where like in the real world here is that like super seven just released some poochie like figures yeah. Have you seen the Have you seen the Super Seven figures? The ones they look awesome. Yeah, like those. Are, those are like the really nice ones that are like. Are those the ones that are like posable too? Yeah, and super expensive. <laughs> yeah, like I see those and I was like, man, I wish I had more disposable income and space as well. Yes, because it's just like yeah, because in Australia there are 120, I think, Australian dollars, and I'm like, for a toy, I don't think my wife would appreciate this. Yeah, exactly. But like, but yeah, like Poochie, like Poochie's worth it though. Like he is like, like I know he's bad in this episode, but like after twenty years of like nostalgia and what he represents and just the radical nineties in general, like I can get behind Poochie again. If they brought back Poochie 
into the real Simpsons, like I'm on board now. Sure. If you have Poochie Plush at Universal Studios, I'd totally buy it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely because they have Itchy and Scratchy for sure. I bought a uh, Itchy, I think. But yeah, like no Poochie anywhere. Come on. Yeah. So Homer's sad now because it didn't go too well. And this is it's not his fault. Poochie's just a soulless byproduct of committee thinking, which you know. Again, the writer's just saying, fuck you to Fox. You know, we're not going to be introducing any new characters. And he, I like the, the 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 buzzwords, like, don't have a cow. I, like, I did love that when Bill Oakley was just saying, you know, it was a bit like, it was a George Meyer who says, you know, I think it's George just Meyer. buzzwords. Yeah, I'm fired, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I had to, like, when I was taking business classes in college, we had to read, um, I can't remember which one it was. It was, like, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, I think. And that book was full of those stupid business buzzwords. I think one of the habits is literally to be proactive. And this episode has ruined that forever. Whereas, like, <laughs> I can't take any of this seriously because you're all full of garbage. But yeah, so Marge says, at least the fans liked it. And then we cut to Bart and the comic book guy moment. And this is the, the birth of worst episode ever, which, again, one of the most iconic uh, lines and I guess still gets used to this day. Worst episode ever. You just worst insert line ever. Yeah, for sure. Like, it definitely became... Like, Comic Book Guy was always like that, but, like, this was really the Comic Book Guy worst blank ever era of the show for him. Yeah, and even, like, Bart giving an actual response saying, no, if anything, you owe them. They give you countless thousands of hours of free entertainment, and it's just like, no, worst episode ever. So I don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's the worst episode ever. <laughs> but this was definitely them just talking directly to alt.tv.simpsons. This was, like, the moment for them. How do you feel about that speech with Bart? Like, every time I watch it, I am watching him, and I was like, he definitely is correct just in general, but I always wonder how well this scene works in the context of the episode because like they definitely made the scene because they had an ax to grind about like the comments they were getting on alt.tv.simpsons. But yeah. in the episode, I kind of feel like Bart should be like, yeah, that episode did suck a lot and it was probably the worst episode ever, you know, like, like they're definitely using Bart as their like mouthpiece here. And I, like every time I watch it, it always feels weird to me that Bart is giving the speech at this moment when the show sucks, you know, whereas like, yeah, I feel like the right. speech would be more valid if the show were still good. Like, I know I'm making a very nitpicky argument that like they're no. probably would complain about, you know, like that's what the episode is satirizing. But like in the context of this story, it's a very weird place to put this argument that they need to make. It's just. I don't know how well it flows in terms of its placement. To the point where Bart even cheers when Poochie gets killed off. So it's like... Yeah, yeah, like clearly it's the worst episode ever. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth here because he does need to make that statement of like, was comic book guy just always complaining about Itchy and Scratchy like even before this? Like, was he part of... I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a way to fix the episode where he's already a whiny bitch before this moment sorry <laughs> sorry to say it that way maybe it's because his dad's now involved he feels a need to have to defend it yeah that's true because like once your dad is involved you're like yeah that's a good point because if my dad were doing it and it still sucked um you're like hey you know they're still putting in an effort like wh like what do they owe you yes Anyway, that's, that's, that's one way of writing out of this hole that they've dug themselves into anyway. <laughs> yeah, you turned me around on the argument, I think. <laughs> Brockman is, uh, he's said he's been waiting patiently for cracks to appear in the, um, in the show's hilarious facade. And I don't remember, were, were there people in the media that just, I guess the ones who were criticizing the early episodes of The Simpsons saying how crude it was, I guess they were waiting for this moment for people to sort of not like the, sh the show anymore? Is that who Brockman's representing here? 
Yeah, I think there definitely was like it. Some of this might be a little bit in the writer's head because, you know, when you're working on the production, it feels that way, even though maybe like 99 percent of the country doesn't care. But, you know, those media outlets and like the people reviewing are always looking for that first like crack in the armor. When I was watching it, I was like thinking of Pixar, for example, because I remember when Pixar went on their amazing run of movies there was kind of this sense where everybody's just waiting for them to make that bad first movie where everybody's like, Pixar is over, it's done. And I think with The Simpsons, people definitely, I think people definitely were having that attitude toward the show. There's an aspect of jealousy. It's like, how can these guys possibly be putting out this much good content for eight years? How dare they? Yeah, I like, and I think with like, media like entertainment tonight i think you're just always looking for a story as well so they were probably feeling some of that too nagel was handballing the blame saying it's a shift in demographic and crusty please you got to do something he's getting nagged on the street and this is where homer comes in with his suggestions i love the where's poochie that's always one of my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah that, i think that might be my favorite reference in the episode where people are like when blank isn't on screen, everybody should be asking where who where is blank is something yes. I see all the time online. Kind of like this podcast. Everyone should be saying, where's Guy? Yeah, where is Guy? We should be talking about him constantly on this. <laughs> and they said they were going to kill Poochie up. Really? Oh, how terrible. Yes, terrible. It's not your fault, Homer. It's those lousy writers. They make me madder than a um, yak in heat. <laughs> I love the animation on her thinking what yeah. to say. Like her eye like kind of cocks a little bit and she's like, a yak in heat. And she's very proud of that. She's like, yep, I came up with that one. That's a zinger. And Homer says that he won't let him treat Poochie like dirt anymore and then yells at Roy. So now we're in the, the closing segments of the episode. Homer goes off script, you know, just say, please cut off my head. I don't deserve to live, but he won't do it. And then uh, June threatens to leave if they don't let him do it. So he gives his heartfelt speech. And I love, I've always loved how they play it up like, oh, wait a minute, Homer's turned them here. They're going to keep Homer. Homer's now got a job. He's got a voice acting gig. Poochie's staying. And no, when they watch the episode, it um, turns out to be very different. Yeah, it's really well done because Roger Myers Jr. Or Roger, he's Roger Myers Jr., right? He Jr., is yes. like the most cynical and sarcastic person ever. Like Alex Rocco is the man with this kind of character. And like the fact that even he turns in this moment, like it's not fake. Or at least like you don't interpret it as fake, do you? Well, I, I, I interpret it as that he turned them, but then the executives were like, I don't give a shit. We're getting oh, rid yeah. of this guy. Yeah, yeah the fact but, that Homer's speech is so good that he turns Roger Myers Jr., but yeah, like then like, you know, they get to them and they and like they change back later. It's it's such a it's such a good reveal later. Now, kids, I know you love the old Poochie, but the new one's going to be better than 10 Super Bowls. I don't want to oversell it. Judge for yourself. to go now. My planet needs me. Wow, Poochie came from another planet? Uh, I guess. Hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. Those Sphinx double-crossed me. Poochie's dead! <laughs> I always thought it was weird that, like, they didn't even animate the mouth. It's like, they would have animated the mouth anyway, so why did they not animate the mouth for this scene? It just sort of overemphasized how last last minute it was going to be i guess but wouldn't have animated the mouth anyway 
Yeah, that's true. But I I do like kind of the like kind of the storytelling bit where you could argue through it and be like, okay, wow, this really was this late where they were like, no, we had a meeting. We're doing it this way. We are literally pulling the cell off of the screen this bad, (laughs) you know, and then just like, what is it? Sharpie marker on the next screen. Like, I love the animation of like the cell coming off the screen. So like you could tell that this was a last second. No, we're doing it this way. My favorite thing is the whistle of the <laughs> as it goes up. <laughs> the yeah, it, it is so perfectly executed. Awesome. So Homer's he's devastated. He said, oh, unfortunately, he's lost creative control of the project and forgot to ask for any money. Just their way of writing out the um, continuity going forward because surely he would have got some money for it. The kids are then um, watching Gene Scratchy again and they say we should thank our lucky stars that they're still putting on a show of this caliber after so many years and what else is on? They turn it off. But yeah. I just feel this episode was a real time capsule of where The Simpsons was at in 1997. Like, they were so ingrained in our lives that even if you weren't watching them every day, you still wanted them there. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we did all just become those people where, like, we would put it on, but we weren't, like, actively, like, engaged with it. Or maybe we don't even put it on anymore. It's just, like, we want it to exist, but we don't want to be present for it anymore. I've always described The Simpsons for me as kind of like a family member to the point where I'm just like, I never want them to end. Like There come a point when like the mid-teens where I'm like, I just killed this show off already. Like it's probably just done. But now I'm just like, you've been going for so long. Just keep it going. Yeah. And like, you know, anybody, any fan of animation these days knows that the animation industry is kind of a mess in general. And the fact that The Simpsons has been able to just be this kind of steady rock where, you know, if you want to pop and watch The Simpsons, like it's just going to be there. Or if you've had your fill of The Simpsons, like you could take a break. You can not watch for a while if you want. Like yeah. it's there if you want it. Some people do watch it every single week and like God bless them, you know, like people want it. You know, but like the fact that it's just around and it's an option is is kind of nice. All right, so that is the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. But now, you know, we're speaking here with the real Jims. I've got a question. Who is the real Jim? Tell us what made you want to start this YouTube channel? Because you originally started doing just video game videos, right? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because, yeah, I do have some random old video game videos on there uh i was that was from like a time when like a friend of mine was like starting up a video game website i was like okay i'll try to make things for you um but really like that was kind of uh the channel ended up being kind of a creative outlet for myself um i don't know if you're the same way but like sometimes on some of those work evenings you have a little extra free time or whatever so you just like write up something or you just want to venture creativity so i ended up uh, just starting to make those 60 second simpsons videos uh the simpsons is something that i was very into i was into like the message boards and stuff like that i was like chatting with everybody and i thought it'd be fun to just put some of these together for the people on the message boards who would watch them and um so that ended up being this kind of fun thing to do and then one thing led to another where people just wanted started wanting longer videos so i started doing like simpsons mysteries videos and then the histories videos and they just kind of got longer and longer which ended up taking up a little more of my free time but uh eventually just became like a full-time like side thing that i do um as just kind of a fun passion project creative outlet well eventually it will become your job you would have to assume because the channel is just growing from strength to strength but like i remember the first mystery video of yours i remember watching i think it was the mr burns one the who shot mr burns 
I think that was like the third one. First, I did like yeah. this. I think that was the first Marcel's one. I saw. Soul yeah. one, and then yeah, and then eventually the Who Shot Mr. Burns stuff happened. Yeah, that that was for me the one where I just went, "Hey, he's onto something here," because this this video is getting a lot of views. It's getting a lot of traction. Good for this guy. Yeah, that was a really fun one to do. Actually, to be honest, I started the Simpsons Mysteries videos as a excuse to eventually do that who shot mr burns video yeah because i really want to do it i had the alternate solution that i want to do and like you know if you start the series you eventually have to do the video like i almost like made myself do this video that i didn't want to do because i thought everybody would make fun of me to be quite honest because you know <laughs> you know what i mean because everybody's like well maggie did it you know yeah. like doing a just for fun alternate answer you know it's very easy to get like the internet to be like Hey, take a look at this guy, you know, so. What's your friend's response to what you what you do? Because I still tell my friends, oh, what do you do? Or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, I do a podcast. Oh, yeah, what about? I'm like, The Simpsons. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm like, it's going pretty well. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. Like, do, do your friends, like, are they fully supportive? Or do you sometimes sort of go, yeah, I do a YouTube channel about The Simpsons? Uh, yeah, so that is a complicated question. <laughs> funnily enough because i haven't told all of my friends that i do the youtube channel ironically uh it's kind of funny where i don't really tell them i've like never even told my parents to be honest that i do this channel because i've been doing it for so long yeah um but like i didn't tell my friends either because you know they don't care about the simpsons anyway the only reason why some of my friends found out is because when i started my twitter somehow it got sent out to like my contacts list or whatever and some of my college friends found me and they're like oh so what is this like the real gyms thing so then i was busted with all my friends from college luckily some of my other friends like from high school and work think like my rate my my like day job luckily they don't know about it um (laughs) well not luckily but it's just it's one of these weird things where I don't know how interested they would be. There's also some like weird internal, like self-esteem thing where it's like, how weird are they going to find it? Also, when you've been doing it for 10 years and don't tell them, they're going to be like, you know, like that's really weird that you don't tell them. So the whole thing's kind of snowballed. I suppose I should probably quote unquote, come out to them eventually that I'm a YouTuber, but uh, yeah, the whole thing's a little complicated right now. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Like, regardless of how successful you are with doing it, I still, for some reason, feel embarrassed telling someone else that I do a podcast about The Simpsons. I don't know why I can't explain it, but someone goes, oh, what's, what's it about? And I go, oh, it's The Simpsons. And I get real nervous when I tell them, thinking that they're going to be like, I'll, they'll be laughing at me, but they all seem pretty supportive. But I'm just like, for some reason, doing a show about a, a, a 90s animated series, I mean, it's still one now, but the, the 90s era of an animated series just seems like it's childish, even though it's not. Yeah, I think it's like the childishness. I feel like a lot of it is built up in your own head, obviously. Yep. A lot of neuroses and insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like the thing with my parents is there is the kind of childish aspect of where it's like my parents will be like, my son is doing videos about a cartoon show, you know, at his spare <laughs> time. Like, why doesn't he get a real hobby? Like, maybe if they found out that I was actually making some extra money. You know, maybe they would like be more on board. I'm sure they would be fine. Like my parents are super supportive. It's just, you know, every person has their own hangups with telling their parents things, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's like, it's funny that you're bringing this up because I joke that my new year's resolution this year is to tell my parents finally that I do this (laughs) channel all the time. (laughs) Turns out they subscribe to the channel already. Just don't know it's you. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, well, parents are like, oh, we already knew. We just didn't like to, like, you know, that parents know things that you don't know. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. It's like when I, last August, I quit my full-time job to focus on podcasting. Trying to tell my parents that conversation, I had to build myself up to that because they're one of those people that is very conservative. They're just like, but what if, what if it doesn't work? You know, what, how are you going to make money? How are you going to pay the mortgage? I'm like, mom, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But like, for some reason, telling your parents, it's always it's always a hard thing. But um, I wanted to, you were talking about the video game videos earlier on. I wanted to touch on that. So are you a gamer or was that just something that you were just doing at the time? Uh, yeah, I, I play games like in my spare time. Like I played a lot of like Nintendo stuff when I was younger. Um, yeah. It's it's ironic because uh, when I was taking a short break earlier, I was playing a couple rounds of Splatoon, which is cool. funny. So so it's funny that uh, it's funny that we're that that topic came up. But yeah, I play a decent amount of games like I don't have like the thing with doing the channel as well as having a full time job is I don't have as much time to game these days, uh, but mm-hmm. I do like playing games and stuff. What's your love of Simpsons games? Like, what's the nostalgia for you? Like, what do you remember playing the most when it came to Simpsons games? Because there haven't been that many really good ones. Oh yeah, there's barely any good Simpsons games. There's maybe like two and a half, maybe. Like, I played like some of the old NES ones. Like, I played through like Bart versus the World and Space, Space Mutants. Mutants. I played yeah. those. Uh, I played uh, some of Bart's Nightmare on rentals. Um, probably the games I played the most though were when. Um, simpsons road rage came out and then when simpsons hit and run came out i played a whole bunch of that um hit and run is obviously like the gold standard of simpsons games at this point i, it's, it's, like, I think it's one of the gold standards of games i still play it to this day i love that game yeah it is so ridiculously good for a gta clone yeah. knockoff you know it's so good it's, it's crazy like, it's that good yeah like, it's, it's like it's like watching a golden era episode of the simpsons but you're playing it it's so great yeah, I think if I recall, didn't uh, Matt Selman help write that game? I yeah, think? he definitely did. Yeah, and uh, he he's sort of been one of those people that wants to have a like a remastered version or a sequel. I would be all, I'll be totally down for that. People have been trying and trying for years. Do you think it would actually work though? A Simpsons Hit and Run remaster? Oh yeah, I think I think a lot of people would turn out for that if they did it. I I can't remember who has the rights, Activision or whoever. Um, but. Oh, yeah, because there is so much nostalgia for that game. And, like, to be honest, like, Xbox, GameCube, and PS2 era is really hot right now in terms of nostalgia, I feel like. So if they're ever going to do a remake, they should do it soon, in my opinion. Well, it's because they added the soundtrack to Spotify. Fox added, or Disney added the soundtrack to Spotify. Oh, did they? About six months ago, and everyone went, huh, that's an interesting little step towards a positive direction. So... Hopefully we can make it happen because I'd be all about it. Yeah. Yeah. There is a ridiculously good, that's a ridiculously good soundtrack. I played it a lot. So uh, yeah, if they do it, I'm on board. I use the, um, you know, when you did the shopping with the, um, in the phone booth and had that music in the background when you're flicking through the, that's my like promos for whenever it is podcast. That's the music I go to every time because everyone just remembers that music. It's so great. Okay. I didn't even, I didn't even catch that. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a deep drop right there. So have you ever been as passionate about another show as what you are at the Simpsons? Oh, in terms of total amount of passion, probably not, I would say, like considering all the uh, time that I spent looking at Simpsons, like screen caps yeah. all the time. Like there are other shows that I follow pretty closely, like um, like I followed like some of the reality TV, like industry, like the seasons of Survivor. There's been like 44 seasons of United States Survivor. So I've been like, I follow that and like listen to those podcasts and stuff, but not to like 
the point of like making content about anything like that. Yeah, because one of our patrons asked, what's your other favorite animated series? Like, do you have any others that are sort of not hold as high as The Simpsons, but what are your go-tos if The Simpsons aren't on? Are you not just feeling like The Simpsons? Oh, for animated, I do like some of the other like animation domination shows. Like, I really enjoy Bob's Burgers. That's a really mm-hmm. good show. Uh, yeah. Somebody recently like suggested The Great North. So I've been watching that. Okay. like for the first time recently which uh that's very wholesome uh in terms of other animated stuff i haven't watched as much lately to be quite honest um like i watched um on hbo max a while ago i watched final space and i really enjoyed that a lot although that show is done um back in the day i really got it i really went through a regular show phase when mm-hmm. that was on cartoon network uh, that show was really good. Um, but lately, I haven't watched as many animated shows aside from The Simpsons. Maybe I just look at The Simpsons too long. Um, what kind of shows do you enjoy? Like, what are your recommendations? Well, we, we just started a King of the Hill podcast, and I'd never watched King of the Hill before in my life. And I've got to say, I'm surprised it's taken me this long to watch it because the show is great. Have you ever watched King of the Hill? Yeah, I have watched some King of the Hill. Like, I think I fell out of it after the first couple seasons. I can't remember what was going on at the time, but I liked King of the Hill, but it was so like there was something about the dryness at the time where like I just kind of bounced off of it after a while. But like, I feel like it's the kind of thing that I would enjoy because all the episodes I've watched, I've enjoyed, but it's just so aggressively down to earth. I have to be in the mood for it. Well, that's the thing, because I was such a Simpsons kid growing up in the 90s, when this show came on, I just expected it to be a Simpsons clone. And when it was so the opposite of what the Simpsons was, like you said, so dry, I think just a little like 10-year-old me was like, what, what, what is this? This is, just, this is boring, if anything. But now, 34-year-old me, I'm just like, this is just, my, I've become Hank Hill now. I don't understand the world around me anymore. How does the Texas aspect of it like work for you, like living in Australia? Because like, I'm in Ohio, and like, Texas is like almost a foreign country to me. So like a lot of the Texasisms, you know, with the propane and all that, like down there is really weird to me. So how does that read to you like over there? Well, we're only two or three episodes in. So far, there hasn't really been focusing on the Texas sort of aspect. But the second episode was real conservative. They were teaching sex ed in the school. And they're real conservative about that. So like we're getting, we're learning more about Ireland as as a town. They're very conservative people. They don't like, they they weren't a big fan of the, the, the school teaching the sex ed. So I can sort of relate to that because that kind of stuff's universal to an extent. But I can understand mm-hmm. the the Texas aspect. That's why it probably wasn't very big in Australia because you never saw King of the Hill on TV after like season one or two. Cause I just don't think Australians got it because it's so Texas. Yeah. Kind of like Seinfeld. Seinfeld's so New York. Yeah, like it's very, very regional in terms. So like, yeah, because I feel like that's like, something that is kind of underrated about some parts of america where like if you don't know about new york culture maybe you just won't get seinfeld as much although i guess seinfeld is pretty universal in terms of the kind of plots they do but sometimes the setting if you just like don't get the setting in a weird way like it, like the show can come off as kind of weird in a weird way i think way. i think what's helped now too with streaming in particular is that we've been opened to so many new york based shows now like the, the american culture is just like the Australian culture almost now. We've been so um, just sort of like focused on American culture for so long when it comes to TV that we almost under- we just understand it more now. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be true. Like, I feel like we have just inundated you guys with all these random American cartoons and sitcoms and stuff. But poor Australia, you guys have to deal with our stuff all the time, like in terms of what we're sending over there. All your stuff and all the chuzz wuzzes, everything. We just, how do we survive? It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> I know, we, we should send a bunch of frogs to attack the country at this point. 
So with your with your channels, before I let you go, just say you make a twenty minute video. Your latest one was how how long? The the Laura Powers versus uh, Jessica Lovejoy. How long was that one? About twenty minutes. Uh, that was like fifteen, but yeah, 15. sometimes they're like twenty minutes for like a histories video. How long would it take you? Preparation, recording, editing. How long does it take you to get one of those together? Okay, like in terms of the actual amount of time spent, that's a good question um, because usually when it comes to the editing part, it takes about um, an hour to edit, probably about two to three minutes, uh, depending yeah. on how fast I can go. Like some some things go faster because if it's like just one episode I'm talking about, it's easy to scroll through the files when I'm doing the editing where I could do like three minutes uh three minutes per hour yeah uh, so if i'm doing like a 10 minute video that literally is going to take at least like eight to ten hours to edit just that's by itself madness. that's crazy which is kind of that's why i said like sometimes i do those marathon sessions on saturdays you know because i just yeah. don't i just want to get it done you know yes. um and then in terms of the writing the writing depends on just how like how much suffering I'm doing at the time because some topics just don't come together. So that could take like, you know, like, like three to four to five nights of just maybe a couple hours each. So maybe like the scripting might take like another like eight hours, like spread over like a bunch of days maybe. And then, and then like, you know, I got to do the voice recording and the screen capping and the research. Uh, one of the things I found with these videos is that the research time really takes a lot of time to do like i think that's what people appreciate about your videos is you can tell you put so much effort into the research yeah like simpsons histories videos like i literally usually just go to one of the simpsons wikis and then pull up like the list of appearances at the very bottom where they yep. just list all the episodes they were in and then i just find them in the episodes and like thank god for the disney plus scroll bar because like with the little preview because then it <laughs> makes it really easy to like just zip yeah. zip zips oh there's nelson you know yeah. um but yeah like the thing that i worry about like i don't know if you've noticed this with youtube but i feel like there's a whole industry of youtube videos that are just summaries of wikipedia articles or wikis you mm -hmm. know like where you can tell they're just telling you this cool story and they're just reading like the news article or the wikipedia article and i've always felt like that's really kind of like I'm not going to use the word lazy because it's like just junk food. Like you just put it on the background and that's fine. Um, but I, I would hate it if someone accused me of just going to Nelson Muntz's wiki page and just summarizing that and not adding anything to it. So the research can be just brutal because I'm actually like looking at all these appearances, um, which can make the videos take longer to do. Um, but I feel like it's worth it because sometimes you do find those random little patterns that you would have never noticed before that they went through like a weird era of jokes with the character. Um, so yeah, that's the thing I always worry about. I probably worry too much that maybe people wouldn't care if I just summarize things, but I feel like the research part is like part of the appeal of doing these videos. The hard thing, like you said, like with the research and things like that, it's so tiring and it's so hard to get it all done, especially when you've got so much going on in your life as well as this, what you're doing with these videos. But it's like, it's like a drug. It's hard to explain once you put something online, you've spent like 10, 12 hours working on this video, you put it online and it gets like, you know, 100,000 views in a few days. It's like a drug, isn't it? It's like, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really gratifying that people are interested in them because you know how it is with like passions that you have where like, you're like, I really like The Simpsons. It's a passion. You're doing a podcast about it. But you wonder in your head, if you start a podcast, if you start a YouTube video, would anyone really care enough? Like how many people out there are like me 
who would find these things interesting mm-hmm. or would want to listen to like a Matt Selman or Bill Oakley interview. And then when you find out that there are actually people who are interested and that they're interested in like what you're bringing to it, like it's a really gratifying feeling. It does give you some more self-confidence to do other things, to be quite honest. It's been a very cool experience in that way. Do you feel like you have a sense of community with your fans? Like, do you, do you see the same people sort of commenting on your videos or is it just so many comments that it's ha- sort of hard to tell? Oh, yeah. I definitely recognize people who uh, comment a lot and screen names. Like, usually, like, just a hint for people commenting on YouTube videos. But, yeah, if you have, a like, an eye-catching screen name and you, like, post a lot and you don't change your avatar, it's, like, a recognizable, like, they will notice them. So there is kind of a sense of community. Like, I don't do formal things, like, I don't do a discord, for example, because I just I'm not a big discord person anyway, and I don't have time to be in a discord. Um, So I don't do like formal community things, but I definitely like there are people around that I know and like want to chit chat back and forth. Do you respond to many people on YouTube or do you feel if I respond to one, then everyone's going to want a response? I do comment. I do comment on people's replies. Like, like some people just blow me away in terms of the things they write in the replies, like just like essays, you know, and a YouTube yeah. comment. And like, I'll try to make sure to heart them or reply and say like, great job. Um, so I do try to reply. It's actually something I could work on replying more because like supposedly like the YouTube algorithm and the meta, like, YouTubers are supposed to engage with their community more, to be quite honest. Like sometimes I just don't comment as much as I wish just because I don't have time. Like I just have to move on to the next project. So it's something I wish I could do more, to be quite honest, because I'm sure like some people might like I might just be like closed off to some people, but it's just more of a just being busy kind of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Well, you're talking about new projects there. So is it always just going to be Simpsons or will there ever come a point where it's like you're just going to test the waters of something else? Uh, it's going to be mostly Simpsons for now. Like it just depends on if people would be interested in other things. Uh, the funny thing about doing the Simpsons channel is that everyone comes for the Simpsons. So whenever I do a non Simpsons video, like it always does horribly in the views. Really? Like I I cannot get them to watch anything like non Simpsons <laughs> in my life. It's horrible. Like, uh, like I did that final space review because I thought that was a really cool show. And like, like nobody came out for that video. And then I used to do these and I used to review all the Pixar movies. Um, yes, and that's right. like, that was really fun to do. I really enjoyed doing that because I'm not a film reviewer. It was good practice. I thought to just write film reviews. Um, but like, I'm not saying that I do things for the views, because they're all just kind of passion projects and I really just want to do whatever I'm interested in. Um, but like in terms of the channel, like the real gems has been more of a, like a strictly like kind of Simpsons place. With the future projects, how far ahead do you plan? Do you, is it sort of something you, you think of on the day and you're just like, all right, I'm going to go start doing this tomorrow. Or do you have to plan it weeks ahead? Uh, it's usually just kind of one project at a time where I just, whatever I feel like doing, I just like, start working on i only do like one project at a time usually um there are some concepts where i think of it randomly where and then it might not like develop in oh goodness sometimes they just sit on the back burner for like a couple years even like like for example one of my most popular videos i've ever done is about the simpsons house for example Mm -hmm. and uh, just talking about like the layout and how it changes 
And it ended up doing like a million views, which was ridiculous for me. Um, but that video, I thought of doing that video like two or three years before, but never actually did it because I thought the research, like the research of looking at the house and how it changes would have just been a nightmare. So I put it off for like two or three years. And I was like, why did I put this off for so long when everybody wanted this? So some, yeah. so some concepts I do think of, and it just sits in the hopper forever because I can't figure out how to do it. Have you ever thought of an idea, started working on it and just gone, this just isn't going anywhere and just axed it? Uh, yeah, very rarely. Uh, sometimes I just completely get rid of a project if it's not coming together. Uh, there was a Simpsons Histories where I started doing the research and just decided I wasn't in the mood for the character and switched to somebody else. I can't remember. <laughs> no, not not Lisa. She's gonna get she she needs she needs a video soon because I've done so much bar mm. coverage lately. Uh, but I can't remember who it was. Like I think I switched to Sideshow Mel and became more interested for some reason. But uh, yeah, there's a couple other concepts where I just started doing it. I even got to the record and I was like, this is not coming together. And I just completely got rid of it. Before we go, is there any chance of a hint at what we could be expecting in the coming weeks? Do you have any ideas that you're working on at the moment? Uh, well, I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but I am currently trying really hard to get together a video about Bart's romances and his yes, dating Twitter, situation. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I just did Bart's girlfriend and New Kid on the Block and people were talking about it. And I realized that Bart's like dating situation is really messed up and like it's weird. Uh, mm. So I kind of just want to talk about that. Like, I don't know how the project project's going to come together. I think I wanted to call it like Bart fumbles the bag. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see if uh, we'll see if that's what it's called or if it goes in a different direction. Uh, but then also I got to get a season 16 retrospective going. So you should see season 16 coming up over the next month. Like I got to do the whole rewatch and note taking session. So yes. I've been putting so that you off. For you a little literally while. watch every episode in full when you do those things. Oh yeah. I watch every episode in full. I take notes, like try to find like the trends, you know, I also have to do screen yep. capping, which is why I watch them. Um, yep. But yeah, the, like the watching process takes forever. Like I can only watch like maybe four episodes a night, you know? So yeah, I really got to ramp up season 16. So that, that's coming up soon. Do you use Frankiac for your videos or do you use screen cap every time? Oh, I just do manual screen caps. I like, I don't know how many, how many screen caps of every episode are there? Because like I want to be like really thorough. Is my it's thing. like it's like every millisecond. Every millisecond. Maybe I should look. I, I don't know if I can like download like whole batches of files. I wonder. Maybe I'm not too sure. The thing is with Frankiac is you, they're they're not very good quality. So I'm not uh, too sure whether they'd be worth it. Because screen caps would be better. But anyway, thank you so much, Mister Real Jims, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've been wanting to do this for so long. And um, yeah, it's just been great hearing how the, the process of talk behind your videos. It's fantastic. Uh, thanks for reaching out to me. I had a lot of fun uh, talking about the channel and uh, Ishii and Scratchy and Poochie show. And yeah, it was awesome. It's really nice to, uh, I'm really glad that you enjoy the videos so much. That is awesome to hear. What's great about it is I love the fact that you're just, you're just like me. You're just a Simpsons fan making Simpsons content for other Simpsons fans. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, the Simpsons fandom community is just really amazing. Like, it's in such a great place. Like, we just talked about an episode about, like, toxicity and fandom. And it's just a wonderful group of fans. So I I'm really blessed to be in the Simpsons-like fandom. Well, thank you once again, Mr. Real James, and all the best with the rest of the year. Uh, thanks. Really appreciate it. Shh.